0: Everybody sucks except for me.
1: Coming to you live from the Kosher Studios in Woodridge, Illinois, this is Behind the Destruction, the Demolition Derby podcast. And now, your hosts, Chris Newmer and Steve Kersky Jr. Welcome to Behind the Destruction.
2: This is episode number 11 of Behind the Destruction for the week of August 26th, 2012. I'm Chris Numer, with me as always, 2011 National Champion demo driver and a man who came out of retirement to lose to stranglehold, Steve Gursky Jr. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> How you doing, Steve? I've been better. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Driven Restorations. The first step to driving your dream is contacting Driven Restorations at 608-609-5041 or finding them on Facebook. This is yet another all TDA edition of Behind the Destruction. The uh, Team Demolition Association's uh, fourth night of racing was held on Saturday and Steve, you and I were both there, you in a slightly different context than uh than normal.
0: Yeah. Figured what the hey, replaced Greg, the owner of Team Two, took his spot to go out there and race with um with my dad, and my brother and, and Steve Schaefer. And uh you know, could have come out better, I suppose. By winning, you mean.
2: Yeah. Yeah. By not losing. Yeah, little things. So the retirement, is it over for good or just for now? Oh, I just
0: decided to have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Didn't have to build any cars or anything like that. Just got to jump jump in a seat, so um, it's still on. I'm enjoying my time off. Get away from, you know, um building cars and all the extra rigmarole that goes on.
2: Well, you uh, you came down early and uh, basically spent most of your Friday uh, building cars, correct?
0: Yeah, I decided to help out a little bit. Uh, Steve Schaefer built a car, and they had another car left over from prior months. Actually, I think it was a car that was Greg's second-round car from last year. So went through and tidied up everything and just kind of checked them all over, because uh, at that point it was kind of make a good car for greg to go around and you know so he doesn't take one hit and die out or anything like that and um you know just to help the team you know i mean they still kind of had a chance i guess to to do well um you know the drivers are there on the team just need a little boost and figured you know on saturday you know what the hey
2: greg asked and i said sure why not you know let's race let's see what happens so you had taken the entire season thus far off, and uh, so did it feel good getting behind the wheel again? Yeah, it was fun. Um, it's a different racing a
0: car that you didn't really build from start to finish, and, you know, it's not your engines, so, you know, not your tires. You're kind of unsure how everything's going to go, but, you know, it, for the most part, it went well. The car had a little bit of trouble, um, like, I think it was after the second lap. But, you know, you know it, it, was a, it was a good time. It's fun. I mean, it, it actually brought back the fun, you know, always doing all the work to the cars and chasing a championship. You know, it kind of takes the fun out of the sport. So, so
2: if I understand correctly, when you don't have to spend 40 to 50 hours working on an individual car and then going and racing it, when you remove that from the equation, everything gets a lot more fun?
0: Yeah. Basically, when you just hop in and go, it's
2: a great time. Yeah. No, I I you it's a good deal. Uh, how many other drivers out there want just that? I think there's a lot of guys that would really enjoy that.
0: Um you know, but I mean if you race the whole season doing that, I just don't see how. It's actually, my wife and I were talking about this, you know, hopping in a car without building it, just racing it all year. It's like how can you really get attached? You know to the team you know well, i'd
2: assume that at a certain point in time too you'd kind of feel like uh, a dipshit for just constantly hopping in a car that somebody else has been spending all their hard hard-earned time and money on
0: yeah i mean yeah i guess you would I, I i felt bad you know i mean the funny thing was was after the race you know uh greg gave us payout so i just gave the money to the guys on the team you know there's no no reason for me to you know take money you know i just happened to hop in a car and go out there. I mean, it was a nice gesture by him, but I didn't deserve it, you know.
2: Yeah, certainly not with your performance. But oh. um oh, it hurts it hurts. I got to tell you, you know, uh I've had a lot of good times at the Route 66 Raceway in uh Joliet, Illinois, and a lot of good times watching the TDA races, but uh this night for me, fourth night of 2012 was fantastic. Just awesome night for me. Like I it had something like anything that you could want, you know, storyline-wise, it had it had drama. It had good racing. It had unexpected twists in places you would never expect them. I think the amateur race that went on. It just it had something, and it was like the racing itself was just fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's always great. I mean, the atmosphere there since Sherry and Shane uh, Hackiness, McMartin, since they've been running it, everything, you know, I, I've I've enjoyed it. It seems like you have a little bit more confidence i guess that it's going to be run right and it actually I, seems like a professional league now right and the things that they do for the fans you know like there were, this last race there was a uh a kids race that they had with the little plastic you know uh kitty, cars. kitty yeah. cars yeah you know i got a kick out of that and you know the amateur race um i think that's neat because you know the whole figure eight spectator truck series stuff like that's supposed to um, that was always supposed to get guys closer to the team demos and get them interested in taking over, whereas it doesn't really do that, you know. But the amateur race, they got to go out there and race an actual team demo race, and you know they're going to get the itch. So I mean, you could pull some guys from that now who are going to decide to you know to sink some money into it and find a spot onto a team because you know the amateur race didn't look that amateurish. There was no some good it did hits not. Out there.
2: And uh, you know, it it had me thinking, where the hell was this when uh, Phil Matlock and Smash Bash and Crash were around?
0: Oh wow! You know, they could have probably called Phil and his guys back and and just did you know three teams out there. You know, because <laughs> you would have known
2: Phil's cars because they would have been lined up at the
0: starting line, right? But no, it, overall, it was a good night. I mean, the first round matchups were were great.
2: Yeah, I think the race of the first round was, and possibly of the year, was the Orange Crush. Uh, junkyard dogs race. And I'll tell you why, because it was the two power teams. Like these teams have access to clean cars. They've got great owners. They've got great equipment and they went out there. Great drivers. Great drivers. And they went out there and it was like, it was apparent. I mean, it's like, you just looked at this and you're like, Oh, this is the difference between like college basketball and the NBA. And it's just like you saw it and it's like, wow, everything was louder. And there were a number of times where drivers on, uh, you know, both teams would line up to hit somebody on the other side of the track. They got going so fast. Like there was like something in the back of my mind where I was just like, oh, man, I hope this ends okay.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, when you get two teams like that, that, I mean, and the funny thing is Orange Crush still had, you know, Team 6, they still had something to race for whereas team three they're racing for basically pride on the year i mean they could hope to go and win the night the fourth night and the fifth night you know and obviously the fourth night didn't happen but you know you know you knew when they drew that lineup that it was going to be a hard race It was gonna be a great race you know i remember um running up to the fence because i was a little late to get up there to watch it i wanted to make sure i seen that race so
2: well, do you think there's anything like, because, uh, you know, the Junkyard Dogs have, uh, on the year, they've notably, this was the the race against Orange Crush is the first race they've won all season. Do you think that there was uh, any sense of desperation that they had, like caged badger that you're poking with a stick? It's like, sure, they're 0-3, but they're almost more dangerous now than they would be otherwise? No, I don't think, you know, because of what it comes down to is they just, I
0: think they're just racing for pride, you know, i mean that's about it because if this was the third night instead of the fourth night then i'd agree yeah you know they want to get back on track you know and you know i think right now if they're all going to stick together and do it again next year basically what you're doing the fourth night the fifth night is just racing for next year to try to get find what four guys go well together and you know stick with them i
2: guess you'd say you know yeah. Well, there was also a little bit of drama before the race in terms of roster issues for the Junkyard Dogs and Orange Crush. Uh, Ryan Bloor, runner extraordinaire for Junkyard Dogs and with Orange Crush last year, uh, they, they were seen uh, Orange Crush was down a driver. And uh, supposedly Ryan Bloor was going to run for Orange in the first round if they didn't pull the Junkyard Dogs. Yeah, and then they ended up doing it. So that ultimately ended up not happening, which is probably for the best, um, all things considered. But, uh, that, yeah, that race was fantastic. And uh, watching, you know, the speed that people are getting up to out there, particularly with the teams, Orange Crush and Junkyard Dogs, I mean, it's unreal to me. Like, I watch it, and I there was a time, I think it was Blewer's, uh last lap, and down the back straightaway, he reached a speed that my I don't think I've ever seen a car quite that fast on that track. And it was it was just like wow. Do you think that there's ever a point in time where there's going to be too much speed, too much power in the engines? Um, I don't know because what it seems like,
0: if you have a big, powerful engine, either way you look at it, you need to get you know the tires to the rear tires to have traction and go. Um, sometimes you can have a big engine and not, it doesn't really do much. It just revs higher and you're spitting more mud, but you're not going any faster. Orange Crush seems to have found a way to get all their traction to their tires. Even with, with Ryan Bluer and, and Kahuna, um, on team three, sometimes they seem like, you know, they got a little too much power they spin a little bit and stuff like that. But, you know, I'd say the third night, uh, Orange Crush was considerably, faster than they were the first two nights and then going up against team three i thought it was a fast race orange didn't look as fast but then again they were going against team three yeah there was so a they, they <laughs> actually kind of looked i guess
2: equally fast there was a race uh third night where orange crush faced full throttle and johnny ryan accelerated out of nothing to just ob- yeah he was like shot out of a cannon I think uh, he just obliterated <laughs> jay van allen against the wall it was Really, like seeing a car accelerate that quickly was just a little bit shocking. Yeah. Yeah. He had great
0: speed on that. And for Jay Van Allen's defense, I did talk to him. He said that that car was probably, he shouldn't have raced it. It was pretty, pretty rusty. It was yeah. Like a last resort kind of car, you know? Um, yeah. But like even, Jay, even Jay said, oh, heck, I figure I could skate him coming up because, you know, he was, Johnny was kind of down the bank. I turn one tire and he's like, oh, I figure I'll throw on my side. It'll be a dink shot. You know, I'll keep going. He goes, when I see him accelerate, he's like, I knew I was in trouble right away. Yeah.
2: that That's the swim faster moment right there. Yeah. So, you know, you've been running, like whenever you go out there and you run, do you have moments like that or like, like what's going through your head when you're, you're like, oh, I'll just accelerate it. I'll get out of this one or I'll just skate it. And then you look over and you're like, oh my God, no.
0: Well, it's never an oh my god usually what it is is when you're running laps especially this the, in 2011 running laps it was you're gonna get, get gonna get hit so just keep going fast and let them you know hit you in the side and keep on going so it was more of a oh my god they didn't get me you know when they missed you because you're expecting it you even brace for it and it's like okay i, I would have accelerated him or he took a bad angle and hit the wall you know it's one of those things but you're, I, I guess for me, I always expect to get hit, you know. If I was in Jay's shoes on the third night, I think I probably would have had that, oh, God, here we go kind of thing. Because, so your
2: default position on everything is, oh, God, I'm going to get hit and get hit hard. And so right. any time you don't, you're
0: like, "Wee!" Right. It's just you kind of know when you go out there you're going to get hit. You're a lap runner. You know, there's teams like Orange Crushes, you know, with drivers like, you know, Tom Brickman Lewis and Johnny Ryan, you know. You know, they're, they hit, they can hit you. They know how to hit you. Their cars are fast and clean. And, you know, you know this. So when you sign up to do this, you know you're going to get hit every night. So it's like when they miss, is your, oh God, they missed me. Woo! You know, it's one of those.
2: Do you like my greatest fear, and this is sort of like a a fear for the sport in general, is that with the increased power and increased speed that somebody could get severely hurt. Right, but how many of these full speed head-ons have you
0: seen? You know, exactly. Uh, I have no idea. It's a way I think the last really hard head-on that I've seen in person I think it was like 2007. I want to say it was I know it was Speedy, and I want to say it was Rob McKay, maybe. And they it was when it was Junkyard Dogs versus Killer Bees. Actually, I think that was 2006. And they hit. Speedy was a, a runner, and he come out of turn two with a wagon, and the other guy was coming through the infield. And when they hit, both cars looked like, I mean, they just collapsed. Both drivers look, I mean, Speedy looked like he, I mean, he actually needed stitches on his chin. He hit the wheel so hard, you know. Hmm. It's one of those things. But I think what it is, it's not that people are scared to do it, but they, you know, you don't see Johnny Ryan go backward on the track at Mach 10 and meet a runner that's going Mach 10 the opposite way in the center of the infield. It's a way to pick and choose your shots. I mean, you know, if Johnny were to hit 60 miles an hour and Bluer was coming out of the other one, he hit 60, I don't think they would both stay on the gas and take the shot.
2: There's a uh, there's a sense of self preservation behind it. Like you don't want to do something. You almost like you have an internal clock that tells you, wait, this is safe, or wait, that is really not safe.
0: Right? Because I mean, even you know, at that speed, both cars at that speed, both of them wearing harnesses, I still think it's trouble. Well, I yeah. mean, I get the feeling that you you get you know, but I just think that the guys are smarter than that. You know i mean johnny will reposition and try to get him where he's coming out of a corner you know that's how drivers would you know as a crusher you would think that's how they would do it you know you want momentum you don't want them to match your momentum or have more momentum than you you know yeah there comes the physics you know if he's going faster you take his weight times the speed to you you're going to take more damage theoretically
2: Now, one of the things that I've noticed this year about the uh, uh, lap runners in the TDA is that they seem to be slower than usual. Now, Ryan Bloor and uh, Garrett Big Kahuna Vanderbilt on Junkyard Dogs, they've got a lot of speed. Ron Tarakowski, speed demon, just unreal speed. But the rest of the league seems to uh, be slower. Like, you know, you take a look at fourth night, like Matt Opie Pierce on Mean Green Machine. Yeah, but see, Matt's always been, he's never been a speed guy. No, but I'm saying it seems like that is becoming, I don't want to say the norm, but it's like, it seems like you don't need to have that insanely fast runner to do well. Like you take a look at Reckoning. Reckoning's been winning with, uh, you know, Nick Hartung running laps. Brian Anderson finally got his first win. Wally Hartung's gotten some. And you can say what you want about all three men, and they're good drivers, but fast is not necessarily the word that you would equate with Nick Hartung or Wally Hartung.
0: No. No, not really. I think, you know, what that comes into, it. Just I guess this year it's been like a crusher's league this year, you know, Um, with the jockeying around of certain drivers, um, you know. You, As as a good runner, if you don't have two good crushers, you will struggle. You know, you will have a hard time. Because it, it kind of comes down to, no matter how good you are at running laps, if you have two guys that are chasing you constantly and they're above-average crushers, they're going to get you and slow you down. You know, that's it's just it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Now, you take a really good runner and you put him with – Two really good crushers and another good runner. You know that's well. That's that's what you have. You know with reckoning, Brian and I worked well together. And uh, do you have any per-
2: examples that don't personally involve you?
0: Um. Yeah. You look at JYD Orange Crush. Um. Two thousand eight JYD. You know it's Johnny Ryan, Tom Lewis, um, uh, Garrett Vanderbilt, and Ryan Bluer. You have those guys. You have. Two crushers, you know, I mean, that's not even their peak. I think Johnny and Brickman hit their peak together on Orange Crush. I thought they did really well together. And then you take even Ron, with Ron Tarakowski and Ryan Bloor, you know, if you stop, you know, you have two dangerous runners and two crushers that aren't letting your crushers get their runners, you know, mm-hmm. and then still can pick off your team's runners. You know, it's stuff like that. And I think once you kind of split everything up, and now you put good runners mixed with average crushers and then, you know, good crushers with average runners, that's where it kind of all comes in,
2: you know? I think it's almost like that situation with the Denver Broncos, uh, like from, like, 96 through 2004, where, you know, Terrell Davis is a really talented running back. However, you put him behind this amazing offensive line and it's like wow and it's like you just you can churn out really good running backs when you're offensive. When you're off. line, yeah. You and, look at Emmett Smith and Dells Cowboys, you know? hmm I mean And that was that was something that I definitely noticed with uh Mean Green Machine this race. They won the night, they went three and zero, um and their two crushers, uh Zach Van Allen and uh Ryan Decker, they seemed to do an excellent job of both keeping the runners clean and and hitting the other guys right you
0: know i mean and zach has been he's been a streaky uh, driver i mean some nights he's up some nights he's down and and you know from my memory from this last night i could could say that you know especially in the third round he knew what guys he wanted to go after he was a thorn in speedy steve's side against reckoning and you know john clemens he's been having some uh, motor issues i guess it seemed like first round he did well. Second round his car sat. And then in the third round he was kind of, you know, limping around the track with, you know, from the beginning of the race. So, I mean, that tells you a lot. You have one runner who's actually making these laps, tells you how good your
2: crushers are doing. You know? Yeah. And, you know, in the second round when uh, Mean Green Machine faced Junkyard Dogs, I mean, it was almost like the last probably third of that race just featured, uh, uh, Zach Van Allen cleaning cars off uh, Matt Pierce's car like somebody would hit him and try to stop him and then Van Allen would just come in and pop him right off clean yeah. him off yeah he, like, was
0: doing, he was doing a good job
2: I mean it got to the point where I was making notes that I had to call him the broom because he just kept coming in and cleaning up for his runner
0: yeah you know he was doing a good job you know I know uh Garrett Big Kahuna Vanderbilt he was you know he lost a tiger Front tire early in the race. I mean, he was doing everything he could, and he was doing a heck of a job blocking their runner with three tires. I mean, I
2: know it was the best three
0: wheeled race I have ever seen. I don't know. Bloor had that race when he lost the front tire, and I
2: think he cooked off three and a half laps with with three tires. It, now that was good. I'm not gonna. I'm not discounting that. I think that would be a number two. It's certainly the one that stands up in the forefront of my mind. I I think the thing that was interesting about uh, or the difference that I saw was that Bluer was running laps. He was just trying to. He was just going from point A to point B essentially. Uh, whereas Vanderbilt in this case was actually trying to hit people and getting in people's way and like stopping and starting and going from here to there. And it's like. He knows he's missing a tire. He knows that something's going on in that uh, driver's side front tire. There's something seriously wrong, and it's like I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep doing what I can. And it's—I mean, not that you don't want that, but just the the speed and the tenacity that he kept going. It's like,
0: yeah, I like to see that. Yeah, you know, keep it going no matter what.
2: Yeah, that's—I mean, really, that—that's what you want. You know, one other thing that I found interesting uh, is that Reckoning made it to the finals again. This is their third trip to the finals in four nights this year. It is their 11th trip to the finals in the last 13 nights, which, all things considered, is pretty impressive. Um, And, you know, you and I have talked about this. I think the thing that's most impressive to me at Reckoning this season is they are in first place with 32 points right now. Uh, mean Green is the only other team that could possibly take the championship away from them. They currently have 30 points. Uh, but the thing is that Reckoning doesn't appear to be that great of a team. Um, by which I mean, they have talented drivers, yes. But when you watch them race, there's there's never anything where you go, Oh my God, that guy's a speed demon like Ryan Bloor. Oh my God, those that guy is a power crusher like Johnny Ryan or... Oh, my God, did you see the hit that that guy took, like with Ryan Decker? But they just keep on winning. Right.
0: I mean, you know, the first two nights, you know, Speedy, he was the guy. Speedy Steve. He was the guy that carried him through on the first two nights. Third night, he was a little bit off. You know, fourth night, he got back on it. You know, Brian ran some really fast laps. Mm -hmm. Um, That was second round uh, against... um, I guess you would say Stranglehold. Stranglehold had some cars from.
2: Yeah, I think Seek and Destroy was racing for Stranglehold.
0: Yeah. So, but you know they they'll flash. You know Brian and Speedy will flash it. You know, um, they're winning and they're that- winning ugly. And, and it doesn't matter. I mean, to a fan standpoint, they might be like, oh, here we go, here comes another ugly race. But you know, I can honestly say to for Wally, Nick, Speedy, and Brian is it's a W.
2: We'll yeah. take it, you know. No, and at a certain point in time, I think that just being able to consistently win becomes a skill in and of itself. Right. And... Uh, I mean, it's more or less, they're kind of like the change-up in baseball. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit
0: off beat, you know. You might have Wally crushing, you know, and, you know, he's not a power crusher. You might have him have him running. He's not the fastest, but it gets the job done, you know. Nick Nick will flash... Uh, you know, Nick Hartung will flash as, you know, he could be the next premier crusher and then he'll have a bad race or halfway through a race. He's not doing well. Then he picks it up, you know,
2: or halfway through the race. Then he starts running laps and you're like, wait, what, what is, what is the potential premier crusher doing now?
0: Right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's just one of those things where they're also been this year they've been in the right place at the right time. You know, they've been getting a good, a good bracket or, you know, they just happen to have, you know like they go out against first round they they face a tough teammate. Teammates been tough in the first rounds. Yeah. this year. And so they face them and then they you know they get a kind of an easy second round battle. You know against it's not even a battle. They get an easy second round against you know um a team that was a team that was came, supposed to be stranglehold. Right. Stranglehold came out with one full throttle car, one stranglehold car and two so you can so destroy, destroy cars. cars, which one was a stranglehold driver? Yes. And right off the bat, one car stays on the line, so it's three versus four. So I mean, if you're mean green, if you're orange crush, if you're these guys, you're looking at going, you know, these son of bitches just got an easy walk into the finals. You know, it's one of those things where they've kind of had that through the year. You know, I mean, they haven't drawn orange crush yet. That's a that's a tough team.
2: But they have faced them twice, I believe. Right. Right,
0: and they're one for one with them. One and one. So, but yeah. a first round race, you know, I think, yeah, you know, I think with Orange Crush, to me, it always seems like their first round, their third round, is where they really shine. It's like once they get into that final, they're tough to beat. And when when you draw them first of the night, they're tough to beat. Yeah, I don't know with Reckoning. What what it always says when you have an easy round, when not not an easy round, but your bracket, when your bracket's easy, okay um people say oh you had an easy route to the finals you know i just said that they had an easy route to the finals but that other side of the bracket is now the tough side okay if reckoning has you know the easy the the other side is hard so you face the team that made it through the hard side of the bracket okay so now you're in the finals with them if you beat them you just beat the hard side of the bracket is technically what you're saying you know it's no different than football. If, you know, the Bears go through throughout the playoffs and face a team in the Super Bowl, and even though they weren't expected to win, they're still, they beat everybody, you know. So now what it is, though, when they go through the easy side of the bracket and they've gotten to the finals, they've lost in the finals. So you look at them facing, you know, easy brackets into, you know, going up against the hard bracket, and it's the third and fourth night. They've lost in the final to the tougher team, to the tougher team bracket, I guess you could say.
2: You know, I'll, I'll ask you this too. And it's like, I'm curious to know how that is actually defined because this year, save for stranglehold, uh, you know, I don't want to say all the teams are, are equal, but, um, you know, they have faced junkyard dogs opening, opening night and they have a full throttle, um, Damage Inc. has been a tough first-round opponent. It's like, it, 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 nonetheless, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to consider. I wonder whether Reckoning is overlooked because they don't have a, a driver who excels at something. Like, uh, they don't have anybody who's the fastest. They don't have anybody who hits the hardest. They don't have anybody who gets the cleanest cars, anything like that. And I think as a result of that, you tend to maybe overlook them.
0: Maybe they're just not the popular group. I don't. I don't know. Because I, I mean, I I see what you're saying with it. I think maybe, you know, if they kept it like other teams keep it, I'm a runner, he's a runner, these are our crushers, but they don't. You know, in any round, for some reason, they always switch, and one guy's running, one guy's crushing, one guy should be running when he's crushing, and and at the end of it, the smoke clears and they win. Yeah. So you know, maybe they're the knuckleballer. Maybe. Forget the changeup. Maybe this is the knuckleball. Yeah. I I just they're winning ugly, you know.
2: But that's it. They're oh, winning. But
0: then you look at it too. You look at Mean Green, you know, been a little inconsistent this year. You know, first round loss against team two after winning the night first night. Yeah. All they do is win the night or lose in the first round. Right. And then what you look at too is you look at the team. You got Ryan uh Ryan Decker who you know, he he does well. Um Zach, he's he he's streaky, you know, we talked about that. Clemens, I'm still waiting for him to get a good engine, get him around the track. And then and then Matt O. P. Pierce, he he's he gets the job done. He's like reckoning. He's it's ugly. He'll run some ugly laps, you know, and they're not the fastest, they're not the most straight, you know, but he collects the checkered flag. Yeah, the they're not the even race.
2: the most within nine minutes of each other.
0: Right. But you know what I mean? It seems like the two ugly teams, the most you know non technical teams are are coming out on top, you know yeah. so and
2: that is a thing of sheer beauty, yeah
0: so I mean, it just maybe it shows you how much the other teams are kind of in disarray, I guess you could say, or how much teamwork is
2: uh an important part of the winning well, glass half full half empty, whatever yeah, all right, well, we're going to take a break, come back uh after that, and uh discuss each of the individual
1: teams. Driven Restorations, a family-owned and operated full-service auto restoration shop, which is located in Randolph, Wisconsin. Whether it's a full frame-off restoration or just a detailed cleaning for the upcoming show season, bring your collector car or truck in to Driven Restorations. You can follow us on Twitter at DrivenResto, that's D-R-I-V-E-N-R-E-S-T-O. Facebook or our website, DrivenRestorations.com. Driven Restorations, will help you drive your dreams.
2: Well, Steve, we almost we almost got started with the uh we almost got started with the team by team breakdown before we got started with the team by team breakdown, just getting into mean green as we did beforehand. But, I love giving
0: uh, my opinion on the teams.
2: Uh even if it doesn't matter. Or is wrong.
0: Well, it's happened
2: once before. It may happen again. But so Here we are, team one, Mean Green Machine. They are, it looks like they're back. I mean, they are, there are two teams now that are in a position to grab the championship, Mean Green Machine and Reckoning. And uh, I don't think anyone saw either of those picks at the beginning of the season.
0: See, Mean Green for the last couple years has always been the team that everyone gets excited about coming into the first part of the year, and somehow some way it just kind of falls away for them Mm -hmm. you know but they're always that team where you still kind of keep an eye on them you know like when you like when you draw them in the first round you're like okay you know we still it's not like a a cakewalk you know it's not the old teammate kind of thing where you draw a teammate you're like okay well we're gonna get you know you know just some guys that they threw in a car you know type of deal and with reckoning um it's to me it's not so much of a surprise because speedy steve and brian are still there brian anderson so that's half of a championship team yeah so i mean if you know brian picks it up a little bit and speed picks it up a little bit they can make up for inadequacies from two other drivers if they need to you know that's how i kind of looked at it just because two drivers left from the championship team doesn't mean that oh that's over you know they still, there's still something there with them too.
2: No, that is, that is for sure. I guess the thing is that when you, uh, when you think, uh, when you think of Brian Anderson or Speedy Steve Welbrecht, they aren't always doing the things that they're doing this year. You know, Speedy's Speedy's won a crushed, couple laps, yeah, cru- yeah, cru- yeah crush his Brian, butt off, and then winning yeah, races and then, while he's
0: supposed to be a crusher, making laps with a 64 Chrysler wagon.
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, Anderson's out there, and he's been crushing a number of races so that's what he calls yeah yeah okay that's what he calls it so mean green machine though i mean they're they're back like so you know to what do you attribute the success that they've been having um i would have to say it's it's ryan decker um now why did you just write extra welding on that uh dry erase board there (laughs) well i mean well yeah that's what i wrote um So Mean Green is back
0: again. Um, Well, I think there's a couple things. When Zach's, Zach, when he's on, they're winning. You know, so there's that. It's also, you know, uh, their runner, Matt Pierce. Hello, where'd he come from? You know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, I think the guys are really helping him with his car builds um you know the confidence of having a mvp driver like
2: ryan decker on your oh, team. oh that's right ryan decker was the 2011 uh you TD know, possibly MVP. this year last year i don't know about that no he does he has the hardware i'm pretty sure
0: yeah well <laughs> um but you know you have a guy like ryan decker
2: on your team who he makes he hides a lot of you know, he's sort of Dwight Howard. It's like the de- if there are defensive deficiencies, he can slide over and pick up the slack. Right. You know, Um. and then with John Clemens, it's,
0: you know, I'm waiting for him to, to turn loose. And, you know, the thing is, is, you know, someone needs to get him an engine builder or help him tune his engines. He gets going and, you know, you have him and Matt running with Zach keeping up the pace that he's keeping up and Ryan doing his thing, I mean, if they stay together, I mean, you're talking, you know, especially for this next night. I mean, sorry to say it, but Reckoning won't be able to compete with them if John comes out with a good running car, Matt keeps doing his thing, Zach stays doing what he's doing, and Ryan just does what he does. They won't, you know, Reckoning can't compete with that, you know. So, you know, the biggest thing with Mean Green is, I mean, is I think Ryan Decker makes up for anything that's inadequate out there, you know.
2: Yeah. Well, it it's funny too cuz like Matt Pierce uh it's it's sort of like the little engine that could. I mean, he just keeps going. He'll take a couple hits, he'll stop for a while and but just keeps going and keeps winning.
0: Yeah, I don't know if teams just put too much on Ryan Decker to take him out, and they leave Matt alone. If I
2: told you that Matt Pierce had more checkered flags than anyone else in the league this year, would you believe me? No, I wouldn't, especially before the year, I wouldn't. I don't know that he does, but I'm trying to think just off the top of my head if there's any one specific runner who might have more, and I can't think of any.
0: Mm.
2: Uh, Moving on to Team 2, you seem to have some... uh... You you seem to have some inside information. What's uh, what's going on with Seek and Destroy? It's a mess. Uh <laughs> it's one of those it's one of those deals where you have a
0: veteran driver who raced at Santa Fe. You have you know with the champion
2: Steve Gursky senior.
0: Yes, and with the championships under his belt, and then my brother Chris McGuire. He's got championships, and then Steve Schaefer, who is relatively, I guess you'd say, new to scheme of things and you know those are that's your that's your core of the team those three guys and then obviously i filled in for greg on this fourth night and and uh i can honestly say greg has more checkered flags than me this year and he actually did better too so you know that team there they need a full-time runner period you know um they've pretty much been going with the the one runner scheme all year with yeah
2: with Greg running and with the other Greg running and basically
0: protect Greg, let him you know everyone knows Greg's not the fastest lap runner you know he's pretty much the little engine that could you know I mean sometimes his cars you know look like they're not doing more than ten miles an hour but yet he'll still collect a checker flag so you know their scheme is to run block for him and try to crush anyone else and um you know this last race night he just had you know a uh, mechanical failure which was a you know it's kind of a mistake in the car build it was actually a steering shaft that fell off one car and then uh a bad car choice for the next one so you know and then you look at the oldest guy that's racing actually it is yeah actually my dad steve gurski senior is the oldest guy racing he had a hell of a night against uh stranglehold he did he did his job he did very well as a crusher and just couldn't get out of the first round with them. So,
2: so what was going on with your car? Because you kept you came out of a number of turns would sort of slide into the wall and stop.
0: Well, for me, it, that car was a two door car. I've always had a hard time with getting traction with two door cars. Don't ask me why. I've always just stayed away from them. That was the that was Greg's car. That's what he had set up, and he had his small block stock car engine in it, and. You know, it just maybe it was the tires set up. I couldn't steer with the rear end. Don't know. But, you know, I just did the Brian Anderson. I bounced off the walls. And then basically the car just started cutting out. And, you know, I don't know if it was a carburetor issue or, you know, bad fuel. Don't know. But uh, it basically, after two laps, it had a mind of its own when it wanted
2: to run when it didn't want to. So. Mm. Uh, which brings us to Team Three, Junkyard Dogs. They have uh, this year. They've notably gone zero and three in their first uh, three nights of racing. Uh, they came out. They faced uh, a true power team, an Orange Crush, and uh, won it. And looked pretty good doing so.
0: Yeah, who'd they have out there?
2: Uh, it was
0: Ryan Bluer, Joe Snow, Kyle Shearer, and Jason Rattaco.
2: They had out there. No, uh,
0: no Retacco first round.
2: No, they had Kyle Shear, Joe Snow, uh, Garrett Vanderbilt, and Ryan Bloor. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was funny because, like, when I was watching them, like all year long people have been going, "What are what's wrong with the dogs? What's wrong with the dogs? And I keep going, I don't know. I, I don't – you look well, at Well, you them,
0: know, earlier in the podcast I said they had too many – you know, the pick was you pick them. Finish second. You pick them to win it. And I said they had
2: too many drivers and, you know, yeah, too you many said they good had t- drivers. So Too many Indians in the kitchen, I believe, was what you said. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Uh, a lot of people have asked, you know, what's wrong with the dogs? And I've, I've always said I don't think anything is necessarily wrong. I think they've either just lost or had some mechanical issues. And it's like they come out against Orange Crush, a power team. They get their first win on the season, and they look do- good doing so. And it was like one of those wins for me where you look at it and you go, well, why the hell haven't you been doing that the whole time? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's some times
0: where, you know, they come out for the first round and you'd see who Mark Ziesmer would pick to go out there, and it would be kind of, a, uh, you know, why? Why not bring out, you know, your four best drivers every time? You know, I understand you have loyalty to guys who, who were on the team the year before and stuff like that, but, you know, you know, they have, in my opinion, too many drivers. Not enough chefs, was but, that it? Something like that, but, it, you know, do I think that? That could be the issue. I don't know. But, you know, just in my opinion, I liked it uh, when I raced with three other guys every single time because then you know that this guy likes to do that, that guy likes to do this. And, you know, I can count on that they're going to do that every single time. Now, when you switch it up so many times, it doesn't help your team chemistry,
2: you know? Yeah. And interestingly, in this race where one of their drivers was supposed to be racing for another team, they came out and raced fine, right? Yeah. Who knows what the hell is going on? I don't know. That's that. What that is, what it is. That is so. true words of a demo philosopher.
0: So now, team four. This was my pick for the championship this year. This is the only team that was returning all four of its drivers from the year before.
2: What the hell's their problem? Do they have a problem? Uh, outside of the fact that they haven't necessarily been winning, right? Yeah, that's
0: where I'm going. They're not winning, I figured they'd be in the chase for the championship right now i
2: I certainly thought so too, but i I wonder like and this is one of those things where you know you th- you talk parody, you talk uh how everybody's got a shot to win and all of this, and I just wonder whether it's something where because so many teams are are seemingly equal, like really, I think six of the eight teams are- le- like a legitimate battle. And then you have Stranglehold, and depending on the day, Seek and Destroy. Maybe not. That's it. But it's like six teams are going to are basically hard draws. Like it's there's no real gimmies. And it's like I wonder whether it's just a a type of situation where when you have six teams like that, somebody has to lose a race. And I wonder whether Full Throttle and the Junkyard Dogs are just two teams that they kept facing good teams that were sort of equal with them, and they just kept losing. I don't know. I mean,
0: you know, like with Team Four, it's a, you know, like I said, they returned all four of their drivers. It's a good group of drivers. And yeah, it's just kind of one of those things where it's not like they're racing bad. No. Nope. It's someone has to lose. And it just kind of seems like you're always just that close to winning it. And. Yeah, ironically,
2: uh, with uh, Garrett Vanderbilt literally being just that close yep. to winning, it was one of the ones they raced. But you take a look at it, and, uh, you know, Ronnie Johnston is out there. Uh, you know, there was, a, I think, third night, uh, he got clobbered in the face with mud, couldn't see anything, missed a couple people first round. Uh, but, you know, Levi's running great laps. Jay's... Just
0: brutal. Brutal, Levi is.
2: Oh, you're still upset about the coming out of retirement, uh, <laughs> the lose the stranglehold comment of Levi's, um, but it, it seems like you know Pete Millett's doing a fairly decent job. It's there's not he's
0: doing he's doing he's I don't know he's picked it up. I I like Pete Millett Jr. I like him on Team Four. I do. I think he's a good fit for them. He's pretty he's really aggressive, and you know it's. Some races where, you know, when other cars are out, he's still the one flying around making big hits, you know. And, you know, he's an exciting driver to watch, you know. Um, Levi, he he runs laps. He's had some engine issues. You know, he's had, you know, start up a car, you know, at the at the garage, start up a car to bring it in and strip it out motor blows. So there you are putting together a new engine, you know, and then you got to work the kinks out of that, you know.
2: Yeah. Um, you know well, you the, saw him having trouble on the track for Stranglehold.
0: Yeah, he had a little issue there. So, I mean, you know, Stranghold rented a car from him, and, you know, it didn't work. You know? I
2: think they paid $100 a foot for yeah. the uh, amount of uh, amount of real estate that he managed to collect.
0: Hey, whatever. He got paid. So, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, they'll, they'll get back on it. You know, it's, you know. But
2: are I, they off it? That's the question I'm going to ask.
0: Well, I mean, the winning ways, you know, they'll get back to it. I mean, they battled out. You know, last year they had some hard races, and, you know, they they came through on it. And some they – it's pretty much, I guess, last year how last year was. You know, they had beat the teams that they weren't supposed to beat and then go to the finals and, you know, get close to winning. And, you know, and then, you know, they finished the year strong coming this year. They start out pretty strong. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they end up in the finals the first night, you know, and then –
2: They've only won one race since then, yeah. Right. Um. Team five, Stranglehold. Stranglehold! You okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, Please. I'm good. So, Steve, you were on Stranglehold uh, a while ago, right? Yep. And you haven't lost a rate. Oh. That's... Yeah. Uh, uh, I yeah, don't just know if one. you can see this, but it's right here. Just one. Uh, you know, Stranglehold, like uh, the Junkyard Dogs, 0 for 3 this season, uh, but a slightly different... All their oh. cars
0: stayed running most of the race.
2: Yeah, they were right? slightly different 0-3 than Junkyard Dogs, but this time they went out, the cars kept running, and uh, the Hammer, Bill McMahon, got the checkered flag. They got their first win. Yep. And the thing that's interesting Shit to Shit happens. Thanks for bringing it up, though. The interesting thing about Stranglehold's win to me is that it seems like when you when you learn the extenuating circumstances of what was going on behind the scenes, that this would be the race they'd definitely lose. Yeah. Like, uh, they had a driver that up and quit and didn't even mention it until he didn't show up at the track. Um, And so they had to have somebody else fill in, which is why they were down so many cars. Yeah,
0: three cars the guy was supposed to build. So,
2: And, because, uh, you know, usually Stranglehold has, like, somewhere between 30 and 35 cars that are in their pits. The one time, that's when they need them, and they go for that. Um, But, you know, you, you figure, like, it's... You know, it'd be like if Penn State's football team this year, like somehow, comes out and it's just like amazing. You're like, "Wow!" In spite of all the Sandusky stuff, it's like you guys are good. How did that happen? In this one, it's like you show up to the track and learn that one of your drivers decided not to come, and it's like, "Oh, so this is when you're going to win your first race yep. against a team with good quality drivers? Just crap cars? Yeah. Sorry, I had to yeah, throw that yeah. There. No, I just—I mean, they went. No, they they did. did, They
0: raced a good race. Um, I could pout and cry just like everyone else if I wanted to, but they—you know—they had a good race when the team they faced finally had a night like they had, so like they usually have. Yeah, thank God
2: you're not pouting and crying. Yeah. No. Enter Team Six. Now you know you and I have talked about this, Steve. That like this year there doesn't seem to be a truly dominant team. Uh, There's no team that. Really, honestly, truly, like, holy shit! They're blowing everybody away. But I'll tell you what—I think the closest we've come to that is Orange Crush after third night. Like, well, yeah, that's well, Johnny came back, so the band- jo- Johnny Ryan came back. Was it second night? I think Johnny came, uh, second, Ryan came yeah. back for second and third night, and all of a sudden, Orange Crush looked. Good. Yeah, uh, Carl Brower looked good running laps. Ron Tarakowski uh, looked Tarikowski,
0: good. Ron He looks. He's always fast. You know, he he was looking good. And Tom, you know, Batman and Robin, Johnny yep. and Brickman, you know, back in each
2: other's arms again. It's it is a thing. I I enjoy the hell out of watching Johnny Ryan and and Tom Brickman Lewis on the track. One thing I, I saw Lewis doing, and I saw him do it a couple of times in the opening round race against junkyard dogs that impressed me. Cause I hadn't, I don't recall seeing it again was he was effectively power sliding into head on hits. And as I said, I'd never seen that before. And the first time I saw it, I was like, wow. Yeah. Tom's an animal on the track. He, I mean the things that, the things that he was doing out there, like just in terms of hitting people, and just keeping keeping his runners clean, I just he's he's up there, yeah, he has a knack for that.
0: It might be because on the track, Tom is awesome. I don't know if uh I think about of all the championships there's been at route sixty six I think some way or another Tom has been involved in the team or raced on it one way or the other,
2: yep, somehow somehow yeah it's I'm looking at the statistics right here, it says of the Of the 13 championships at uh, Route 66, Tom Brickman-Lewis has been involved with 15 of them. (laughs) And I would believe that. Yeah. Because he is. He's the winningest driver in TDA history. Yeah.
0: And you don't do that by being mediocre. So, I mean, you get that with Tom, you know, and then when you put Johnny in there with Tom, they play off each other. You know, and then that opens up a door for the runners, you know. I mean, Carl Brower, I, I can't remember, I think it was 2009, I think it was the last time I seen him race, and he came in the third night, uh, and did really well, even after, you know, I one race, he, his, he got, his car got blown up pretty good, but, you know, you just look at your crush, they're those two crushers on the team, when they do well, the team does well, you yeah. know, it's, it's hand in hand. Um you know, it's Orange Crush. I mean,
2: yeah, they strike fear in the hearts of. Uh, they strike fear in the hearts of men. So you know, as a as a slight bonus to the teams, one thing I would like to touch on is uh, the absolute. Get your hands off me, you homo! Oh, sorry. Is that your leg? Wait, is that your penis? Uh. Right. One thing I'd like to touch on is sort of a bonus to the team rounds. Uh call it team six point five, if you will is uh, the performance of one Mike Leodoro in the amateur race. Now, if I just say that name, you probably go, oh, which one was he? I'll tell you which one he is. He's the crazy guy who drove onto the track halfway in the middle of the race.
0: That, yeah, that was, yeah, that was, uh, as I, don't, a, I don't even know. You, you're impressed by it. You thought it was entertaining. I thought it was entertaining as purist. hell. I thought it was cheap, but... I don't know. I don't see people got all, you know, up in arms. Over it was it,
2: and... it was the loudest the crowd got when the TDA hearse wasn't allowing flames coming out of the stacks. It that was is pretty cool, though. Huh? It was the second loudest cheer of the night. Like, all of a sudden, here comes this orange 68 car with Mike Leodoro behind the wheel just going. Because everyone straight.
0: probably thought it was Johnny got bored. Oh. Pull, pulled like an Art Scarborough from Santa Fe times where bored with the canadian stunt team or whatever at santa fe and he goes and steals one of their cars and drives around track and then wrecks it and takes off running
2: (laughs) well i gotta be honest you know like when when the 68 because here let's set the scene the amateur race was going on and probably two three minutes into it like a bat out of hell this orange 68 car comes out of the uh entrance and just goes flies onto the track and just goes right into the trunk of the car that reckoning set up and uh at the time no one had any idea who was behind the wheel all they all we knew was it was an orange 68 car and there was a rumor going around the track that it was tom brickman lewis he was upset about the inadvertent driver's door that he had gotten and See, I didn't even hear that. That, so. and when I heard that, I thought, "Oh my god, this could be the best moment of demo watching ever." Like it, it would be perfect. Like I'm, for a fan like you, for like a that. fan, yes. Now I understand as a like you, yes. As a as a driver, you might be of a slightly different opinion, but as somebody who likes telling stories. I mean, you're going to be talking like, I mean, if it were Brickman driving onto the track to disrupt the amateur race, you're going to be talking about that 25 years from now. It would be like, like you're doing with Art Scarborough and the, uh, and the Canadian stunt yep, team. Yep, There you go. And, you know, and the thing is too, I mean,
0: you know, that, who was it? That was Mike, Mike Leodoro, Mike Leodoro. He did really well with that car. I mean, it was super fast. It hit hard. You know, yeah, he's a rookie. I mean, what the hey? There you go.
2: I I would actually, you know, Mike Leodoro's uh, nickname is Pancakes, and uh, <laughs> I I would like to start a petition. I'm going to call it the Free Pancakes Petition. I'd like to see a team that's out of the championship hunt give Mike a spot. Orange Crush on the fifth night of go. racing, because you know it 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 gets a little bit more human when you understand that uh, Leodoro's been wanting to race for like two years finally gets the chance in this amateur race, spends a lot of time, energy on this car, gets up to the line, and his shifter breaks. And it's like, well, shit. And so his friend and uh, a guy he's been helping for a number of years, Johnny Ryan, brings up one of his cars that he's not using, and that's what Mike hops in and speeds out onto the track. It's sort of like, you know, you hear that and you're like, I get it. I
0: get it. Yep, I get it. Johnny was being a good guy to a guy that helps him. That's fine, but it broke the rules and people got upset. And
2: yeah, no, I mean you know, I get it that was entertaining too.
0: Entertaining a little bit, you know. It was, I don't know, it was neat. I still thought the amateur race was pretty entertaining
2: too. The amateur race was pretty entertaining. You I'd know. like to see a couple of those guys uh, next year. But uh, yeah, so I'd like to I'd like to see somebody free pancakes, put them on their put him on a, their first round race squad for fifth night. I'd I like think to see either that
0: Johnny or Brickman. I mean, first round seventies round, throw him in a seventies car. I mean, he did. I mean, he handled himself out there for the, you know, ten and a half seconds. seconds that he was out there. I mean, yeah. you know, and you know, seeing that, seeing him do that, made me think that that could be a new way put bring 3 cars out on the track and leave 2 in the dry part. Yeah. And after 2 laps allow these 2 cars just to run right out there and go balls out.
2: Or e- or even do one of those things that you do when you're playing pickup football as a kid where you get one blitz every 3 downs. There like you go. maybe you get to have one like almost like a tag team thing. One car drives on, one car drives off. I mean the possibilities are endless <laughs> and oh, it's all
0: he's going to need 5000 cars for the year now.
2: Oh, and it's all thanks to pancakes. Who would have thought? That brings us up to Team 7, Reckoning, your old team. Yep. And we covered a lot of material on them earlier. They are in the lead for the championship hunt. Uh, Driving ugly, winning ugly. Does anything else really need to be said? Nope. Nope. That's it.
0: Good job, guys.
2: Yep. I would like to say this, actually, that I think Brian Anderson, when he was – Brian's been doing turns this year in a very interesting, almost out-of-control fashion – but he finally seemed to harness it in the second round race. He actually, and I, again, this is another thing I don't recall ever seeing. When he was sliding around the the turns, he actually got his car like perpendicular to the like he was actually going sideways, directly yeah, sideways. I even,
0: yeah, I even mentioned that to him. That you know, I give him a lot of shit about making going at one race without hitting the wall. You know, run a clean race go fast don't hit the wall don't hit the tires you know yeah and he almost pulled it off almost almost i mean the weird thing is when brian power slides a corner he doesn't get a little bit of the car out you know the and the rear end sliding no brian comes in and and before he even crosses the first tire of the corner his car is sideways yeah he's drifting not even drifting he's like it doesn't look possible. No, this is and like he, Fast getting, and Furious yeah, shit. you know, I mean, it's finally Brian's doing it, Brian's doing it, and then he hits turn four tire. And I just have to laugh because that's Brian. That's how Brian races.
2: Yep. Got the job done, though, so. And they're in first place. So, yeah, so let's move on to Team 8, Damage Inc. Had a rough first round this last race. And it's the Put first. A hell of a fight. It's the first time they can say that in a long time. They won four straight First round matchups, and that's something I don't think anybody saw coming in. No,
0: and uh, you know I don't. I haven't got a chance to talk to Dave Swan this year, the team owner, and um, you know I mean he's got to be happy. Um, it's good to see Team Eight doing well. I yeah. mean they had a finals appearance for the first time ever. Yeah. At Route sixty six in, in the TDA, I mean it's just it's neat. It's neat to see someone else in the final besides the same two. Teams all the time, and and to see Team Eight doing well, and not even doing well with bringing in a bunch of good drivers. You know, they took what they had, yeah, and brought in one more guy, a good driver, a good driver. And I honestly could tell tell you right now, I honestly don't know. I know
2: Rich Wilson filled in a little bit, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't tell you who the other two. I believe Andrew Sherman, Matt Wilson, Kyle Thompson. Uh, I feel like there's another in there that I'm forgetting. Yeah, they've had a, a little bit of a rotating cast on there. Besides Dave, besides besides Dave Swan and uh, Pete Ryan, uh, I think maybe Kyle Thompson's raced a number of them. It's that yeah, fourth I think spot so,
0: he. Yeah, I think he's raced. Yeah, that one sounds familiar. So that fourth guy has been kind of rotating and out, but and
2: he's doing well. I mean, yeah. it's like it, it's um. It's like the anonymous henchmen in James Bond movies. It's like they're all incompetent. They all get killed very easily. And it's like if you want to stay alive, you don't want to be sort of an anonymous, anonymous henchman for the bad guy. And it's like that's usually the way it is. And it's like you, you're you like, I don't know who Damage Inc's fourth driver is, but whoever it is always does well. It's like the exact opposite of the anonymous henchman. Right. You know, and looking at it now that,
0: you know, Team 8 has has come up and they're doing a lot better. It just reinforces the whole thing that, you know, like what we said before the year started, how this is going to be a good year. Yeah. You know, with Team 8 coming up, you know, Stranglehold, they kind of went to the bottom. They have a lot of, you know, young drivers. You know, yeah. Bill McMahon's the only one that's got, he's got the most experience in their lineup right now. And it's not extensive. You know, they got some young drivers. Obviously, they have driver issues and stuff. Um, but you look at it, this is... In my opinion, this is probably the best year of racing overall. I mean, you know, it's it's not that everyone's equaled out, but it's just great races. You yeah. Know? It's powerful races. It's good hits. You know, everything's good. It's a great, great year.
2: No, I agree. The track conditions are good. And it also probably should be said that the officiating issues that there were third night did not appear to be present in any way. No, I can honestly say in my race, um,
0: I had to use the board, and when I raced for Team Two, I had to use the board. It was correct each time, so I mean, that's awesome. The scoreboard's right. Um, the officials, what I from what I witnessed, anytime there was any kind of, of a fire or any kind of hard hit, they were right there on the guy, making sure everything was okay. The show went smoothly, um, even with a with with your figure eight races. And truck races and little kid race and amateur race. Everything went like clockwork. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, that can't be said for, you know, past, you know, if you threw that much to it in the
2: past, it'd be really not good. No, it, it, it's, it's on the, it's on the rise. And as you said, yeah, good night of racing. And uh, I don't know what else I could have asked for. I mean, it was great to watch. Well, Steve, thus brings to close yet another podcast. We'll be back next week. And for Heather in the pit booth, we hope this has been enough race talk for you this week. Thanks, Heather.
1: For Chris Newmer and Steve Gersky Jr. Go Gersky or go home or go home with Gersky. I'm John Sensimer. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and thank you for listening. Behind the Destruction would like to thank our producer, Maura Scherer, and Kosher Studios, located in Woodridge, Illinois. Visit them on the web at KosherSounds.com. For previous episodes of Behind the Destruction, the latest demolition derby news and columns, you may visit us at BehindTheDestruction.com.